Uh, Omar, that text that you sent out right when we started recording, uh, you sent it to not the person that was supposed to get it. Well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't say anything bad, but no, 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 no. If you could periodically send me and especially Rob some naughty yes. texts, yes, periodically, please. they're supposed to be for someone else. He would appreciate. I would appreciate that. I would as well. Yeah, um, I live for those texts. Okay, I'm doing one right now. Yeah, excellent. Wow, I didn't know you one could do that with a Cadbury cream egg. And where do you find a Cadbury cream egg two months after Easter? I've been. He's, I've he's been held on to it for that long. Storing it somewhere. <laughs> he's. It's <laughs> been grooming it. Uh, you were listening to the Give Me Five podcast episode 247, brought to you. By the Give Me Five podcast patrons, check out our patron at patreon.com slash give me five podcast. Yeah, give me five podcasts. See, I'll do this, get this we'll, right eventually. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to see how you can help support the show. And thank you to all of our patrons. I'm going to leave that in there, even with the, the flub. Thank you, patron. But it was a heartfelt flub. Give Me Five podcast. We are a semi-entertaining show, but this time we've got so much entertainment packed into this hopefully one-hour episode that it's just bubbling over. It's just <laughs> oozing entertainment. It's like dripping dinosaurs and Marvel Give it characters. a shot. Yeah, it's it's like it's ready to explode. It's ready to uh, like Omar. Do, yeah, it's ready to just launch superheroes all over your faces. <laughs> so we're just going to get right into it. What's going to happen? Uh, and by we, I mean myself, I'm Greg, and I am joined by a man who's about to get funky on the mic like an old batch of collard greens, Rob. <laughs> collard greens. I may have watched a thing about uh, gangster rap in the 90s on Hulu this afternoon while doing some work. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, but also, it's very special for this episode today. We needed this. We have our international phallus correspondent, Omar, and that's going to be very important later. Omar, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, the little known fact, I'm also a professor of phallic studies at my local university. So, As well, also, I'm glad that, that they were able to share you with us this week. I, because I had to take time out from doing celebrity l- penis molds. I had to do a lot. I've been doing lots of research. So, <laughs> so yeah, my time is limited. <laughs> Yeah, and this is going to be very important for our top five question, which comes later in the episode. And it's a little one for the ladies and also for phallic oh correspondence everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this week, lots of stuff. We're talking about The Boys, season three. The Sex Pistols, is it a biopic? Like a multiple episode streaming show? I- I would go with biopic. biopic is. That's fine. It's just okay. a series, but biopic series, I guess. Yeah. It's called Pistol, and it's on Hulu. Uh, we're going to talk about Jurassic World. Uh, that is Jurassic World Dominion, by the way, the third of the Jurassic World series. And final. The Orville series, uh, season three, episodes one and two, just to get a little bit of a 
feel for how it's going to be now that we're it's on streaming instead of on regular broadcast television. And also Ms. Marvel uh, episode one, speaking of streaming. So all of so, those things. So with all these things we're going to talk about, this is a review show. There's probably going to be spoilers. We'll try to avoid any major twists, but I mean, just by nature of the show, we're probably going to spoil some things. Mm-hmm. If we are talking about something you haven't read, listened to yet, seen, read, or listened to yet, God, I screwed it up too. Then use your own discretion, come back later. So there's a lot of topics, and a lot of them are important. Uh, so what, what, sh- what do you think we should start with? I think Jurassic Park should probably, or Jurassic World should probably finish it out. We'll finish up with that, yeah. Yeah, because it's a big movie. Well, let's talk about the Sex Pistols. <clears throat> let's talk about the Sex Pistols. That's going to involve me scrolling... Uh, Omar, you did watch this as well, correct? Indeed. Or some of this. Indeed. And and Rob, did you? I uh, no. I didn't think so. I was just I was just making sure. But um, yeah, I did. And uh, Rob, can you go make me a drink while I'm talking about the sex system? <laughs> I can. Yeah, you can probably go do its uh, music thing. So you could probably make me a drink by going to maybe the refi- the the rum refinery, whatever place that is. Get it fresh for me, and then okay. come back, and I might be done. <laughs> The one in St. Augustine or whatever? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're not done by the time I get to your house, I will stab you in the chest. Oh, that's just fair. So you know. That's fair. Oh. Um, that's, I, I don't think he meant that to be a little ironic when talking about the Sex Pistols and being stabbed, but, you know, it was. Oh, nicely done. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Sex Pistols thing is called Pistol. It was released on May 31st, and then I think the next episodes came out afterwards. Surprised that I didn't catch on to this sooner. I was very excited about seeing it, but I just it just somehow I missed when it was coming out. Uh, I wasn't even going to actually watch it because I find a lot of I find a lot of these shows or movies are uh, you know you're not getting the real story or whatever. But then you brought it up, and I was like, you know what? It should be pretty cool, and I'm I'm glad I did for a couple of reasons. Hmm. Uh, first of all. The real main reason that I decided to watch it is because of Danny Boyle. Yes, which was a uh, nice He's directing it. Yep. Yeah, he, of course, directed 28 Days Later. He directed uh, Shallow Grave, which is one of my favorite movies and the movie I always mention as the, if you've never seen this, you should see it type movie. Movie that brought us Ewan McGregor, actually. Uh, won awards for Slumdog Millionaire, did 127 hours. Big time theatrical director and now doing a small-time streaming show, a passion project, I assume, because Sex Pistols are are weird when it comes to to music versus style. Like, I think the Sex Pistols are up there with one of the more people wear their shirts that have never actually heard the Sex Pistols, ever. Agreed. Um, And it makes sense because they were actually formed in as kind of a part this weird collective thing with a fashion shop named sex in the 70s and they were there to be shocking and then they sort of took off on their own and when you look back at bands you don't you kind of think that they sort of existed for a long period of time and these guys didn't but based on all of the turmoil and the crazy Sid and Nancy stuff and their style in general They've lasted. You know, they were one part of inventing punk. So it was a very interesting story, I thought. Uh, 
people that are in this. Uh, and these, I'm going to name the actor and who they're playing because these are actually all real people. Uh, Toby Wallace is Steve Jones, the guitarist for the the Steve, the Pistols, correct? Correct. He was kind of the main, uh, sort of the de facto main character of the yeah. thing. Uh, Anson Brown plays John Lydon, also known as Johnny Rotten. Sidney Chandler plays Chrissy Hind, the who this story could very well be Chrissy Hind's story as well. It was very. Which I well did done. not know. Yeah. Did you know that? Did you? I don't. I didn't know much about the Sex Pistols. Did Did you catch that that was her? I did when I was looking stuff up, and I, you know, like sometimes you'll look at IMDb backwards, right? And I was like, oh, sweet, who's Chrissy Hind playing in this? And then it occurred to me a second later that it was someone that was playing her. Right. Um, so Chrissy Hind is the lead singer of the Pretenders, uh, who famous with what um, going back to Ohio and they have another very Brass big song. And pockets. Yes. Which at this on this show, by the end of the show, she's like rehearsing with her band. Yeah, and she just happens to be in England around this time, even though she's American. And her whole thing is she's trying to kind of find herself and doesn't want to go back to America. But turns out that throughout all of this craziness that going back to America is what actually made her into a superstar. Well, it was interesting because the beginning of the sh- – like in the first episode, they're calling her Chrissy and she's an American and she works at the the sex – I don't want to call it the sex shop because it's not. It's just a clothing store. Yeah. But Clothing store called the sex. The sex store or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that without – And It's weird. Actually, if you're ever at Rob's house, he has a little sign next to his bedroom that says the sex store. Oh, I know. Anyway, <laughs> but but they but she's talking about like they call her Chrissy. She's American, and then she talks about um, how she met David Bowie in Ohio. And I was like, "Holy shit! Is that is that Chrissy Hind? I didn't know that she was like part of all this." So it was it was kind of cool. Like that was one thing I really I legitimately did not know that. So that was kind of a neat little. I've read little quite a few books about the Sex Pistols. Um including Johnny Rotten's book. I think I've read like three different books about the Sex Pistols, and very few of the books men- mention Chrissy Hind. And it's actually, the documentary or movie is actually more accurate. Interesting. Um, with her being around. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, let's see, Tallulah Riley, who is actually, is the actress, but she plays Vivian Westwood, who owned the, so- the sex shop. Uh, Maisie Williams... We all know Maisie Williams as Arya. Arya Stark. Uh, she, yeah, she plays Jordan. And I was a little surprised to see her wandering around naked for much of one episode. Uh, yeah, that was a really funny. And I, and she was unrecognizable, personally. I didn't yes. know it was her until I saw her name yep. in the credits. Yeah. I was like, Whoa. So, Rob, the, you know, there's like kind of three different types of, of like houses you see in England. There's like the, the row houses. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the the houses like where Harry Potter grew up with like the little like yards and stuff like that. Right. And there's kind of like the Cold War era looking like apartment blocks. <laughs> yeah. So like, and you see a lot of those Cold War era apartment blocks in like old footage from the BBC and stuff. So they did a shot with Maisie Williams. She's riding around on a bike through one of those areas with all these like old people like looking shocked, um, wearing right. just a rain jacket that's clear plastic. And, like, all the old men are, like, looking at her, and the, the old, like, British women are, like, smacking them with, like, umbrellas and stuff. Well, first of all, she has what would be, before you get into the, okay, so she's got kind of what would, I guess, be shoulder length or maybe just above the neck, collar length, blonde hair. 
but it's sort yeah. of spiked up. Like up into the back. And then she's got eyeliner that like just explodes out of the side of her face towards her ears. Yeah. So that's that. That's part of it. All right. She definitely shed the Arya look. Correct. Say that. But then she's um, also her, right? So keep going. I'm sorry, Greg. Oh, no, I was just going to kind of continue down. So, Well, she's, she's wearing a, uh, the, the raincoat. It's clear, but she's not wearing anything underneath. <laughs> it's literally, there's no shirt or bra. So, and then she's wearing like basically lingerie on her bottom, bottom half. And she's just sitting in the train reading a newspaper and everyone's like, what the, <laughs> yeah. it was a great scene. Like it was really funny. Anyway. <clears throat> Another Game of Thrones alum, Thomas Brody Sangster, uh, plays Malcolm McLaren, the manager of, and creator, uh, creator of the Sex Pistols, and um, that's, yeah, that's for the most part what we need. You missed um, Jacob Slater plays Paul Cook, the original bass player. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and uh, of course, uh, Sid Vicious is played by Louis Partridge. Right. So... Sex Pistols, I think, are a fascinating story. I don't necessarily like the band all that much, although I can kind of rock out to Anarchy in the UK periodically. And I just thought this was really well done. I don't understand the punk ethos at all. Like, there's such a, like, when you watch this and when you read about it, it's like, you know, some of them are so good to their parents, but then they go and they'll, like, pee in some random person's car. Like, some of the stories you can read about Sid Vicious are horrendous. And, like, while I love I love reading about musicians, but that aspect of it, and, like, bands and stuff like that, that aspect, like, the destruction of hotel rooms and all that stuff, I just, mm-hmm. I can't wrap my brain around it. Like, there's a story, I don't know if they mention it in this, because I just happen to know it, but, like, uh, Sid Vicious, when he was, like, doing, he kept on getting hepatitis from, like, doing all sorts of weird stuff. And apparently, um... One of the things he did was he would clean his heroin needles in public toilets. Ew. Like, it was the, uh, one of the Ramones was, went to visit and was like, and they kind of didn't really do much drugs when it came to that. And he said that, like, he would be like, oh, do you want some? And I'll clean it off. And he would dip the needle in, like, a shit and piss filled toilet and wonder why he had hepatitis, like, all the time. I'm like, ugh, you know, gross, fucking gross. Well, one of the things that I got from it, and I get where you mean, like, I don't get the punk. I mean, I kind of get the punk ethos, but I don't get the, like, individuals and the way that they behave. But one of the things that I got from this was all these people came from either a combination of, well, not all of them, but a lot of them came from either terrible home situations or mental health issues, or a combination of the two. Not everyone, but th- there was a lot of that. And then there's throw in all the economic issues in the 70s, um, in England, and even in America, really. Um, inflation. And almost all of their parents were horribly traumatized by World War II. Right, so they're, right, yeah. Acted so as such. it kind of makes sense that they kind of are going to rebel against all this. They... They, they, the basic idea is why should we trust the queen or the whoever? Like, this all sucks. Like, this, there's nothing for us. There's, there's no economic opportunity. There's no whatever. So, 
whenever you have things like that, when you have a, a really large group of, of, of let's say late teens, early 20 or early twenties, like the, that group, not necessarily highly educated. Um, they're going to do something. Something's going to emerge. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to, and when they were doing stuff for fun, it's not proper. Correct. It's shocking. And yeah, correct. Uh, a couple things I definitely, there was a couple things that really stood out without going too long on this. Uh, Number one, you could definitely t- – I didn't know that Steve Jones wrote this. It was based on his book, but I would have been able to guess that based on who comes out looking the least like a douche canoe. Like Steve Jones definitely slept around a lot and did stuff like that, but I could definitely tell that he wrote this because he had the most positive moments throughout it. Um, so I don't know if you caught that as well. I Once I found that out, I didn't catch that at the time. Because you know, like you know, if you don't know who the writer is and you don't know where they're coming from, it's hard to say. But once I saw that, I was like, "Oh, well, that totally makes sense." But I did end up liking. At first, I didn't, but I did end up very quickly liking the way that Johnny Rotten was portrayed, which I know is weird. Maybe in the he had a lot of good points at the end. He had a lot of good points at the end, but he was also. It turns out that he was very intelligent. He was more intelligent than he seemed. He was just weird. And he was coming from a very broken place, but he was, he was intelligent and he was, you know, he was angry and raging, blah, blah, blah. But, but I don't think he was a bad dude. And and I'm saying, okay, look again, strictly the way he's portrayed here. I don't, I never read any books about them or just, I know very his book, about it. his book does really portray him. his own book. He's basically this. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, so it was interesting. It was an interesting, um, that I really liked how they ended each episode of the six episodes with the, something shocking would happen and you hear, and it would just go and you'd see the word pistol and like, you know, like ripped up paper and stuff like that. There was some very Danny Boyle type directing moments Mm -hmm. in this show, which I thought was cool. So I thought that was, that was really good. Um, and the Sid and Nancy stuff. Now I was wondering how they were going to handle that. So... Rob, this gets dirty and bloody. Um, you okay with that? It's naughty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So, uh, Sid and Nancy, of course, there was a movie for Sid and Nancy. It was about Sid Vicious and Nancy Spungen. Uh, Nancy Spungen, by all intents and purposes, she is always portrayed as whiny, annoying New Yorker voice, even though she's from Philadelphia. But, uh, Sid, Sid, Sid. But, I've watched videos of her, and that's, like, really kind of what she is. And I feel bad because she had some bad mental issues, and she did end up dying and all this. But by all accounts, she was not a very good person. Uh, Sid Vicious gets put in the band much later in the in the process. Which also I did um, not happens, know, by the way. Oh, yeah, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, happened to have hepatitis almost the entire recording of their uh, only album. <laughs> Never mind the Bullocks, here's the Sex Pistols. So the guitar player and, does most of the bass, if not yeah. all of it. Uh, and during some time there, he ends up in America. He records a solo song. He doesn't now, he also doesn't know how to play an instrument at all, but he records, uh, my way, right? The Sinatra song mm-hmm. records that, uh, at the hotel Chelsea in New York. He, um, he basically, uh, there's an argument and he kills her, but no one knows really what happened in that room. And 
they actually treat it like that. They show him waking up and going to the bathroom, and there she is, like, bleeding to death. And you kind of don't know what happened. So I thought it was very well handled. because It was. Because they don't know what happened. And, you know, he was shocked. He didn't know if he stabbed her or if he stabbed herself or whatever. So I thought it was um, a very well good way of doing it. A lot of people are kind of lukewarm on this, but I started watching it and I couldn't stop. Just the show I in general? All six episodes. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I went through it yesterday and today, like one full blast. Yeah, I, it took me two days. Um, <clears throat> I actually was, I worked a little bit later on some stuff just so I could watch more of it. And uh, so I thought it was good. Okay. Me too. I definitely, definitely recommend. Yeah. So watch Pistol. It's on Hulu. And uh, if, if you also like The Pretenders um, and Bowie and uh, The Sex Pistols. I liked a lot of the footage, a lot of Bowie, a lot of original sex. There's some original Sex Pistol stuff thrown in there. It was kind of cool. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Nicely done. Okay. Okay. So what's, next? what's next? R- Roberto, uh, want, what did you watch? You want to run through the first episode of Orville? Am sure. I the only one who saw it? Or, no, you watched it, right? Greg? The first two episodes we've I've watched. Excellent. I did as well. Um, so we're going to go from, from like, uh, dead punk people. To the future. To, to something also depressing that's supposed to be a comedy, but it's still <laughs> extraordinarily <laughs> well done. So... The Orville is back, season three. Uh, first episode was released on June 2nd. There are two episodes that come out that have been released. It comes out on, um, what, Thursdays, Greg? I think so. I think it's Thursdays. Uh, but it's on Hulu, and our regular cast is back. So we've got Seth MacFarlane, Adrian Palicki, Penny Johnson, Gerald, Scott Grimes, Peter Macon, Jessica Zor, Jay Lee, Mark Jackson, and Winters, Kyle Wiener, BJ T- <laughs> Wiener. Uh, it's actually that's, Wenner. That's my department. Kai Wenner. It's not Cal. It's Kai Wenner. Uh, BJ Tanner, Alexis Knapp. Um, and it it the show follows the crew of the ship Orville and their uh, interstellar trip, basically. Uh, 400 years in the future. I was very much looking forward to this show coming back. And this show is a comedy space romp action kind of show uh kind of like a comedic take on star trek but for a show that does like star trek comedy some of these episodes are really heavy and after a long absence i just expected a fun space comedy romp and the very first episode we got was all about suicide and i was like jesus christ what is going on so but that being said it was really well done in in the first two seasons, there's. I haven't seen these two yet, but in the first two seasons, there are some other heavy episodes that deal with like yeah. gender and like all this stuff, like like mm-hmm. really, really interesting things. So I'm kind of not surprised, but I would have. I want a little bit more of the funny too, because it's Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. And. Even the second episode is a whole lot more serious than what I've come to expect from the show. Um, like, I mean, the the show is very well done. Don't get me wrong, and they 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 walk the line between comedy, really intense drama, and action very well. But we have yet to see any comedy from uh, this season. It's uh, but I I mean I I'm enjoying it. How about you, Greg? 
I was very pleased with both episodes. Mm-hmm. And two different types of feels for different types of sci-fi shows. The second one, mm-hmm. way more of an alien, Prometheus kind of situation. The first one, uh, more of a, I guess, kind of referencing a collective, like a Borg-type collective-type situation. Um, and uh, artificial intelligence, like, is it a real person or not? Which is kind of where that's the robot suicide comes in. And they don't really get too deep into that, but right, but that's deal- how it's treated. Dealing with the the whole bullying thing and the whole um, ostracization. Easy for me to say. <laughs> Ostrich nation. Ostrich yeah. nation. Yeah. Um, and the basically the the robotic member of the crew committing suicide. Interesting. Um, it. It, it it's really it, i mean i feel like the show is really well meaning and touches on some really really tough subjects and does it very well is electric sheep the title of the episode yes, yes. okay cuz that's obviously a a reference mhm yeah it's a reference to the story the blade runner right right do androids dream of electric Correct. sheep or something yeah which is interesting mm-hmm. so i think the the quality of it was pretty good Mm-hmm. The show, so I was I was of course worried when it went off broadcast and was picked up by streaming, but I think it kind of held up. There's a few times, but when the spaceships are flying around and you're like, well, that doesn't look quite as good. It actually makes it look more like Star Trek: mm-hmm. The Next Generation, which is actually kind of fun. Mm-hmm. How did you How did you feel about the? Because I, I thought it was a very interesting concept that I don't think I've seen in any space. Tr- exploration show in the past the the whole void or whatever it was was it was it did you get that kind of eerie feeling as they were approaching the the edge and then there were like no more stars yeah i thought that was interesting um, i was like man that's really weird it's just a black void there's and it's there's just like nothing. a straight line on either side just yeah like someone just like made us this is a photoshop reference but made a selection and just deleted all the stars in the middle but I thought, yeah, I thought that was really interesting, and just the idea of it being of there being demons out there mm-hmm. when it could just be an alien life form, or it could be demons because we've also seen that in sci-fi. Yeah, uh, it made me really curious and want them to go there. And like, I do think it's—I always think it's funny when there's like, you know, we have this dis- this distress beacon. And like, have you seen any other sci-fi movies? <laughs> have, have you never watched your own show? Yeah, like. <laughs> It's never a distress beacon, ever. Never. Like, to be honest, if anyone, you're more likely to be saved in space in real life if you don't do the distress beacon, because they're like, ah, no, they're going to eat our brains. Yeah. Whatever that is. Somebody will happen upon you. More so than... It doesn't matter how big space is. Somebody will happen upon you. (laughs) Don't use a distress beacon. So, yeah, they're... That, of course, is what drove them into this void mm-hmm. area. So I thought it was... Uh, it reminded me how much I liked all the characters. Yes. And it reminded me how much I, I miss uh, Norm MacDonald as well. Oh, yeah. Who was I forget the guy, character's name, but he was the slime creature. And it also reminded me how much I miss the original uh, security officer. Yeah. I liked her better than the other one. 
than the one that we have now. Yeah, I wonder if they just couldn't afford her. Like, I don't know what she went off to do. But... Yeah, I think she went off to do another project, but I don't remember. Yeah, what she was on the left at her parents' house. Yeah. It takes so... a good comedic mind like Seth MacFarlane to be able to kind of find the the little weird intricacies mm-hmm. like and this is referencing a different season but like even that that planet where the gravity was so heavy that's why everyone was super strong so like whenever he stepped outside his bones would immediately shatter mm-hmm. and like it was funny but at the same time it was like ow and like it led to some suspenseful moments and he does that again and again and again and he also he's pretty good about showing all the different sides of things too yeah, when he does when he does come up with some sort of philosophical problem, political mm-hmm. problem, whatever he shows everything. Yeah, I I, the, the show is really well written, really well thought out. Um, I, I'm very glad that we're going to get another season of it because I I, I think the show is criminally underrated. Mm-hmm. I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. Yeah, I think people just push any sort of sci-fi stuff off is just oh that's just for this group of nerds right and then years later people were like oh man that movie galaxy quest i didn't see it at first but it was kind of good and it made some good points and Mm -hmm. and then they do it again and again and again you know with other properties like that uh did it get renewed for a season four already i don't know i hadn't seen that but i mean perhaps i'm looking that up right now but anyway, guys, while he's looking that up, uh, again, it's on Hulu. Check it out. Give it some support because we want to keep this show going. It's really well done. Um, again, uh, from the mind of Seth MacFarlane. And it's if if you like shows like Star Trek, get give it a try. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. Yeah. I, I get a warm, fuzzy feeling when I'm watching the show. Like... When you're when they're showing different parts of the ship, it seems like it's a real true working ship. The people take like the people on the ship take their job seriously. That they actually yeah. are fully fleshed out characters. They have good interactions with each other, mm-hmm. and in this at the same time, it's also funny. Well, most of the time, <laughs> and there are little things I chortle at. I always laugh at the one security dude, is it Bort or Gort or whatever Sam is. Uh, Bordas. Bordas. Bordas, yeah. yeah. Like, he always, like, he always makes me laugh. Um, yeah. So, I think from one show that's got two episodes to a show that only has one episode so far. Are we talking Ms. Marvel? I think we are talking Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Did you guys both see this? I did. I did not. Why don't you like watching things that are good, Omar? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm cool to watch it. I just haven't. I got so fixated on the boys. And... I, I, I know what you're saying because there's been so much that came out yeah. recently that I'm trying to keep up on, um, between Kenobi and Miss Marvel and um the boys and Orville and going to the movies to see Jurassic Park, which we're going to talk about later. It's, it's been, it was a hectic week. There's no doubt. Yeah, it was about a, it was a, a giant dump of stuff. Yeah. It was a giant dump. Yeah. <laughs> but Miss Marvel. Uh, Miss Marvel was released 
on June 8th on Disney Plus. It is starring. Go for Iman, it, Greg. It is starring me hiding the thing. Iman Vellani as uh-huh. Kamal Khan. It is uh, Matt Lintz as Bruno Corelli. Zenobia Shroff as Muniba Khan. So I guess that's mom, right? Yeah. Yasmin so. Fletcher as Nakia. Not the Nakia from uh, Black Panther. Alicia Rainier as Agent Deaver. Laurel Marsden as Zoe Zimmer. Uh, Anjali Bimani as Auntie Ruby. I am ruining people's names. I'm sorry. Um, Rish Shaw as Cameron. And that's about all that I really screenshotted. A New Jersey-raised Kamala Khan learns she has polymorphous powers. Uh, initial thoughts? Um, It seems like... A- and I don't know how it is in the comic, but it seems like she doesn't learn she has the powers so much as it seems like her powers come from the band. Is that correct? We're going to start off with some problems I have with the show. Ooh. It's going to make it seem like I don't like the show, but I actually did enjoy the show. Uh, so let's talk about Marvel Comics briefly. I was waiting for someone to kind of open the door there. Uh, Marvel Comics. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Marvel Comics owned the X-Men license and... Then sold it off to Fox, and of course we got the early X-Men movies, and then the second group of X-Men movies. And Fox had the rights to that. Marvel, uh, being both petty and, I guess, as fans, I would say petty, but as um, you know, business people, we would say, I guess, Marvel was being smart about this. They basically tried to strip all X-Men everything out of Marvel Comics, because why make Fox more money instead of making Marvel money? So what they tried to do was they really diminished the X-Men over time, um, usually in about the mid-2010s, 2014, 15, 16. They really started diminishing the, what the X-Men did and started pushing the Inhumans. Uh, the Inhumans are a group of people that got exposed to this mist called the Terrigen Mist mm-hmm. and got superpowers as a result. So during some big thing, Terrigen Mist got spilled out all over the world, and it caused there to be a bunch of superheroes and supervillains that kind of took the place of all these mutant characters mm-hmm. that had existed. Uh, and it didn't work. And one of the reasons, at least for me, one of the reasons why is the X-Men have always been there as... The X-Men were, were created because of like the civil rights thing. Mm-hmm. And... um Sorry, child just walked in. Um, it was, it was the characters were there for people that were different. Didn't matter how they were different. It could have been, you know. Well, in the show, it's you know you have superpowers, but it could be someone who is gay or someone who is a different race or religion, mm-hmm. and they would gravitate towards these characters that were were different. And as a result. In the in the nineties, the X Men were huge, mm-hmm. but the problem with the the Inhumans and the those characters, where it was just characters that ended up getting powers and they might have looked weird, so it just didn't work. Um, however, one character did come out of this, and that was Ms. Marvel, who did get subjected to the stuff and basically kind of woke up, sort of gooey, and. Like Mr. Fantastic, which if you saw Doctor Strange, you know what his powers look like. Mm-hmm. And he could stretch out and make his big arms and stuff. But for some reason, they decided not to go that route, probably because the Inhumans show bombed 
horrifically. And they decided to make it be a magical bracelet that gave her the powers randomly. And that is a hu- I think that's a huge flaw. Um, I think it's unexciting. Uh, unless there's some crazy story behind this bracelet, um, I don't see why they couldn't have gone a different route. Um, maybe just the bracelet activates her powers, and they're actually like that. Or the mom is so worried about the daughter. See, that's even bad too because I thought she was a very. I read all of the early comics. I thought it was a very interesting character that she was an overprotective, um, traditional Pakistani mother mm-hmm. with a slightly rebellious daughter who was still not rebellious by any other standard. I just thought it was like the way they wrote it. It was, it was an interesting dynamic, where in our mind, like, oh, she's not doing any, anything too bad. But the mom was still kind of freaking out, and the brother actually, the brother's actually different in this. Uh, the brother was an imam in the book, so he actually was like a super goody two shoes, and like also had like the religious side of things. Okay, like if you do this, you're you're shaming your family, and also. Um, I don't know if it I don't know the exact religious aspect of it, but there was more of that. But it was just interesting. Um so they just kind of wrapped it up into this bracelet and like there's no backstory to it. There might not be a backstory to it. And it just seems ham fisted. Okay. Uh, did you I mean you don't know the original story, but did no, you kind of feel let down by the fact that it was just a bracelet that gave her powers? I kinda, yeah. I was a little disappointed that that it's one of those things like, uh, for lack of a better analogy, the greatest American hero, where he's only a hero because he has the suit. Yeah. So unless they do something that ties in, I think it was Nani, her grandmother, to why, and like the mother clearly knew there was something up with it. Right. I think we may get that later in the series. I think I think Nani will get tied in at some point. But, I mean, when that'll happen, I don't know. And I would be more than happy to come and be like, oh, that was a really good idea that they did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the powers are now more celestial-based instead of looking like, you know, stretchy flesh. It's now like this kind of Captain Marvel-esque looking exoskeleton-looking stuff. Almost. Hey, you know what I kind of thought? I kind of thought it was like a um, uh, Green Lantern thing where they can make constructs out of the whatever. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. Although it it does take on the shape of her hand, and it looks like her hand actually extends inside that weird shell that she forms. That oh, that, did it? That did diamond it. shell. Yeah. If you take a look at some of it, it does look like her hand kind of extends and fills out the inside shell. Okay. But when she was just firing it out into the crowd, it looked like it was like the Green Lantern. It's making stuff. this little like round. Things floating over the sky. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I, I like the overall tone of the show. And I loved I loved the like the fact that she was a fangirl and that she was all big into crafts and was making her own costume like that. That even though it's it's definitely aimed towards a younger crowd, it totally like spoke to me. Yeah. And, and there was one scene that makes me kind of question what they're doing with her powers. Um. You remember the scene where she like formed the platform and then stepped off of it onto the roof? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that I don't think 
that's her power. That's not what she's supposed to do, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So I I think they're kind of making it up as they go. We'll find out if that. It's almost like she they out. combined uh, Mister Fantastic and the Invisible Woman in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, how much did you love her dad jumping in as the Hulk in the? Uh, oh my god, it was in the great. traditional clothing. I loved it. And what's funny is what's funny is that would have like she was embarrassed and she was like super mean to her dad about that stuff. Uh huh. But that would have probably won. Very possibly. Because like the whole thing was like make it yours. And, right. Yeah. Well, except the co- the contest that she was entering was specifically for Captain Marvel. Yeah. True. They were like, for those of you that didn't see, which I'm assuming all of you did, uh, her dad, her dad is actually really like adorable. I, I loved I all like the stuff her with her dad yeah. and her buddy too, like with the, and and she hurt his feelings so bad. I know it was awful. Uh, Ethan has a really my son has a really hard time with that kind of stuff, and he actually had a really hard time with that part about like why was she mean to her dad kind of stuff. I'll be sure to ask him that the next time that he tells you he will end you completely yeah. seriously. <laughs> Like, you can't end me unless you end Omar first. Uh. Um, so, there's that. Uh, they, yeah, they really lean into some of, like, the the crafts that she did. And I really like the opening sequence with all the little, like, paper cutouts and things. And, they, you know, they did a lot of stuff that reminded me of uh, Mitchell's vs. the Machines. Where, mm-hmm. Like, when they were talking about what to do with the costume, and you could actually see, like, spray paint moving along on the wall. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was just, just a neat effect. In fact, I'm going to try to figure out how to do and add that to my class because it's just such a cool little, I don't know, it's just a neat way of showing stuff. And that's kind of, I think that's really the next way that movies and stuff are going to try to get people's attention. Starting to add some of the like YouTube esque styling and background yeah. stuff. Definitely. Not on serious dramas, of course, but, you know, action movies, comedies, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to the next episode. I want to see where it goes from here. I, I do like the show. Um, it's Miss Marvel on Disney+. Plus. Check it out. I'm, I am wondering where they're going to go villain-wise. Because currently the, the real villain right now is just parents' traditions and her getting out of her own way. So well, she may, she may end up being that street-level hero that you love. Yeah, it's true. Where she just, like, fights crime in the neighborhood. And and then possibly get recruited at the end of the season for something bigger. Yep. Because yeah, we already know she's going to be in the the uh, Marvels movie. I think was Captain Marvel two, basically. So, I uh, yeah, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited to see how they expand it. Yeah. And hopefully that misstep is just too early for me to tell. Okay, so we've done three things. Yeah. We have. We've got. I had to step out for a second because my one of my earbuds fell into a glass of scotch. <laughs> so it's delicious, but that's fine. And a little bit waxy. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the boys. Season three. Season three. Or as or as I like to call it, the Starlight Tragedy Show. Oh. Hey. That's a good way. The show is exhausting. Oh, I love the season so far. It Oh, I it's do dark too. As but shit. I just feel 
every time I turn around, poor Starlight, yeah. something bad. Oh my god! I mean, granted, it's it, it. I mean, people around her, you know, get the worst of it. But I mean, it's like they're just torturing her. <clears throat> so, the, um, we're on the next episode to come out of season five, which will be Friday. Friday, the, episode. episode five. I'm sorry, episode, episode five. five on uh, the 17th. Is that Friday? Right, I believe. Yes. Um, the first episode came out June second of this season. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, as usual. I think it's. I, maybe it's just because I'm so aware of it. But is this the biggest hit Amazon's had? Like of their own, like of their own label. I don't think it's the biggest hit. No. Had. Uh, must be. Uh, you you keep going. I'll look that yeah, up. Yeah, well. it must be a big one because I mean it's this is super huge, but. So, uh, as usual, Carl Urban's back as Billy the Butcher, Jack Quaid as Huey Campbell, Anthony Starr as Homelander, who is just terrifying, um, Aaron Moriarty plays Annie January, Dominique McGillagut, McGillagut as Maggie Shaw, McGillagut, yeah, um, Jesse T. Usher as A-Train, who's also having some issues this season. Laz Alonzo as Mother's Milk, who is just awesome and has a great name. <laughs> um, uh, Reacher is actually the most watched. Oh, uh, that was a good show. That was too. good. I like that. One. I gotta say, I like this better. But Reacher was good. Reacher was very good. Reacher, uh, Wheel of Time, Marvelous Miss Maisel. Oh, that was popular. Or Maisel, Maisel, Maisel. Uh, Fleabag, The Expanse, The Boys is actually um, really that far down. The Expanse was excellent. No, no, no. I'm, I'm. Well, from sources across the web, it goes: The Boys, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Bag the Expanse, Jack Ryan, um, Bosch. But if you look directly up at the most watched, it's um, Reacher. Okay. I heard Bosch was as good was good as well. I don't know if you any of you saw. Yeah. That. I've... Um. Well, Chance Crawford, Tomer Capone plays Frenchie, who's great. Karen Fukuhara, Fukuhara, yeah, Fukuhara, as Kamiko, and Nathan Mitchell as Black Noir, and of course Giancarlo Esposito, who is like the CEO of the company and is always just an evil dude. Um, the synopsis, as usual, a group of vigilantes set out to take down corrupt uh, superheroes who abuse their superpowers. Um, I just like all the other seasons. I love it. It's disgusting. I never eat when I'm watching the show. Ever. I learned. I only eat when I'm I learned that the hard way. I can't. It's gross. There's like. I have zero problem. Oh my god. There's like. So many people. The exploding. dude explodes and like his tongue is still wagging around, but his like face is missing and his. Jo- I was like, "Holy shit!" Welcome to episode one or whatever. That was early on, but um, I just I love it. I love how the story is being um, continued. Is this? I don't know if either of you know, but are we still within the the comic book in this season? There's some. There's some pretty major differences. It's it's close. Is it getting further as the series continues? You know what I mean? The comic book leaned a lot into petty revenge stuff a lot. Like little side quests where they would take out various superheroes throughout. Like it happens occasionally in the show, but this one would be – there would be an overall story, but every so often they'd be like, yeah, hey, we got to take this person down. They um, did reference that in the first episode this season that they took they, the crime – Soup crime, I think they called it soup crime or something like that, is down by like sixty one percent or something like that because they're they're getting they're they're taking care of the ones that are like breaking rules and breaking laws and stuff. 
Yeah, and there was there was a, a lot more bulldog in the in the book. There's a occasional bulldog in the show. Okay. But like he lets he'll he lets the um the bulldog uh skull fuck people that he doesn't like after they're oh dead. Oh my god. Like because they could get away with it because it was a comic book. Jesus. That's so heavy. Uh but yeah, this was great. I I liked I liked that Homelander is kind of like decides because I never really thought of it this way, even with Superman. Like I never really thought of it in the implications, but like if somebody like Homelander or I guess Superman really wanted to just do whatever, there's not a lot that can be done to stop them. <laughs> yeah. And like, I never really realized the implications of that until this episode, until the season. And, and that fucking speech was terrifying. When he when he turns the corner and says, you guys took this all away from me, I wanted to be loved, but I'll settle for fear. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit. And he said something about praying to your God or whatever, but he goes, the only man in the sky is me. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and this is the only, I don't remember in any of the other seasons, but this is the only, this is... At least it's very noticeable now, but everyone calls him sir, and like, <laughs> like they're super like afraid of him. They always were, but not to this extent. And I, at least not that I noticed. At least in the other seasons, I kind of wish that this show. I want to is... smack a train. He's such a fucking. Oh, God. <laughs> I kind of want to this show to exist in a vacuum because it's also coming out around with a lot of other shows and movies about superheroes gone bad. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine how shocking it would be if there wasn't things like Invincible, uh, Brightburn, which didn't do well, but it was a thing. Mm-hmm. And some of the other shows, like, if this came out, like, right around the same time as the first Avengers movie, I think it would have had way more impact. Good point. Potentially. And it still has good impact. As that speech was great. And, like, I saw some article that was like, is he the most terrifying villain on TV right now, and yes, he is. For sure. Never, because you never think about it, but, yeah. Now, now the question is, is in the, in the latest episode, they did liberate somebody else who was supposed to be, what, indestructible? So, we'll see, um, I'm wondering if they're going to be able to pit a bad guy against, or, you know, a, a, a bad guy against a bad guy, basically, because, I mean, let's be honest, Homelander isn't really a hero, he's a bad guy. Um, he is straight up insane. Um, but I, we don't really know yet what soldier boy is capable of. And and we don't know why he was where he was. We don't know what happened to him. We don't know. We, we don't know anything about it so far, which is, they left off in a good spot. Although I'm annoyed because of course I want to (laughs) see, of course I want to see it, but I like that. There's so many question marks about him. And then if you live in a world with someone like the Homelander, there's like there's two options. Either be useful to him or just fly fly so far under the radar that you just happen to not be killed. Right. Yeah. Make sure he doesn't notice you in any way, shape, or form at all because it's not worth it. Right. <clears throat> now, do you have any idea what's up with Kimiko's powers? Uh no. no. Okay. Well, our episode ended with Kumiko Kimiko taken uh, a very serious hit, and she's not healing. Yeah, because she was able to heal before. 
That's, Could it? That's one big thing. Okay. So it must have something to do with. Oh, not necessarily because uh, Soldier, Soldier Boy, Boy was fine. It he had, had his power. Yeah, it has. To, I thought well, it had to do. I think with it like, has to do you know, the, the location. With his with the way that he because she took a shot from his powers. So I I uh, wonder whether or not Soldier Boy can render superheroes' powers inert for a certain amount of time or something. Well, okay, big spoiler coming up. So, you know, for the listener who hasn't seen this yet, here's a major spoiler. But they make a reference to this secret weapon that can injure, that can harm or kill superheroes. And they're trying to get it to take out Homelander, right? Mm -hmm. What if he's the weapon? Well, supposedly the weapon killed him, and he was he was supposed to be indestructible, and that's why they're looking for correct. the weapon. That's why they thought it was an actual weapon and not correct. him. But now I'm thinking, maybe he's the weapon. He might be. They've, been, they've obviously... Oh, that's something else we haven't talked about yet. They might be able to synthesize Soldier Boy's powers. Ooh. Because it looks like they've synthesized Homelander's powers. Correct. What do they call that? V? What is it? Temp V. Yep. That's because because they have they have figured out a way to give a person superpowers for twenty four hours, and they're talking about uh, weaponizing it by giving it to soldiers, soldiers in fighting zones. So, a, but a dose of it is like what a million dollars or something. Yeah, and it's apparently it seems like the power is a little bit addictive. And there was a yes, a, there is an implication, but I would imagine that. Mm-hmm. Just having the power is the addictive part, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a seductive thing? Oh, yeah, that's how I feel after I go to the gym and wail on my pecs. <laughs> I'm invincible. You mean after you go to the gym and I wail Ooh. on your pecs? Yes, also that. That's hot. Um, so... <laughs> this is why my gym has a lock on the door. <laughs> So that we can keep people out while I'm wailing on your pants. Yeah, exactly that. So I can, so I can, so we have some private time <laughs> on, on, the, on the old rowing machine <laughs> is what we'll call it. Yeah, we'll go with that. We have not had uh, Omar say, I can't do this anymore for at least two episodes. We're trying, but I don't know if you could help us out there, Omar. Um, He's it, <laughs> Yeah. He's saying it right now. You just can't hear him. Yeah. So there's a couple. There's a lot to unpack with these episodes. Um, the the violence is super over the top. I thought the war zone uh, sequence was was kind of funny when the one dude throws the other guy up in the air, and then he falls down and like impales himself. Um, just a lot of that like over the top violence. I was the first two episodes like I lost track of how many people just exploded. <laughs> the very first episode with, uh, what's his name, Termite? Yeah, Termite. So, yeah, we got to talk about that because it, it was a lot. And it's going to be uh, revisited in our question yes. of the week. Termite is uh, basically Ant-Man, and he can shrink down. Mm-hmm. He also happens to be in a gay relationship, and they sneak away to go to the room, him and his boyfriend. And... You see some uh, full frontal uh, giant penis. Well, I, and see, I don't think you actually see the penis because oh, all you, you do. ever you see it straight ahead. It's like it looks like uh, 
Honey, I shrunk the kids almost. Oh, because oh, I thought all we ever saw was just the the front opening that he walks into. I didn't think we actually saw. You see the... it like big and bulbous and round on the screen. Well, here's and then... here's something funny I found. Um, oh dear, eonline.com. Mm-hmm. How the boys showrunner got the exploding penis scene approved. <laughs> okay, so basically, there the the short version. And I don't want to read the whole thing, but basically, they the 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 showrunner said that Amazon basically said, yeah, no problem. The only thing was they could not show a an erect penis. That was the only thing. So even when they were showing for like from the inside or whatever, they had to give it like the proper wrinkles and stuff to make it to make it obvious that it wasn't hard. But they actually built which I didn't really think about from the angle of the video of the of the of the show. But quote That's a real eleven foot high, thirty foot long penis built at great expense. But if you look at it, we had to design in all these wrinkles to make it clear that it wasn't erect. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then he goes, So anyway, it's exhibit seven thousand twenty three why I love this job. It's from um Eric Kripke, who's one of the showrunners. <laughs> so, I think that Kripke from uh, from uh, Big Bang Theory was actually named after Eric Kripke. Oh, really? That's funny. That's entirely possible. Yeah, that's funny. That makes yeah. sense. But Termite enters this guy's penis to stroke it, his prostate, supposedly. He's just kind of walking around and like just touching, and the guy's like, ooh. It's like a sexual thing for them, but he had just snorted some coke prior to doing this. So, of course, he sneezes. And then immediately resumes his full size. Splat. And basically just tears his boyfriend in half. And then, of course, people walk in, and now he has to hide the evidence and kill people, try to kill people. And yeah. <laughs> Over the That's top. Quite a scene. Craziness. <laughs> yeah. It really was. And I was like. Well, I guess they're starting this off with a <laughs> with a bang. bang. Yeah, they didn't soften their stances on anything. It's so good. Oh, I didn't even think the peacemaker being another like crazy over the top superhero villain thing. Yep, as well, and Suicide Squad for that matter. Oh yeah. So, yeah. boys, season three. I'm, I'm going to be very interested where it's going with all of these superheroes, and how do you take down someone who's virtually a god? And... Yep. And Homelander has basically claimed Starlight as his girlfriend. Yes. For ratings purposes. Starlight, of course, just got over a sexual assault. And then the character that did it gets invited back into the group. Mm-hmm. Also kind of for ratings as well. Well, and because I guess he's a little bit of a toady. Mm-hmm. And There's a terrifying scene with him, too. With the fish with guy, the, the deep, where he has to eat, he Timothy. has to eat the squid, he has to eat his best friend, he has to eat his friend Timothy, he has a best, yeah, who's an oh octopus, my, actually. Oh my god, that was horrifying! And he's like, he's like halfway into his mouth, he's and praying. he's like, he's praying. I was like, oh my god, this is so hard to watch. Oh shit! Yeah, the little and like Homelander made him do oh it. Oh my god, what a fucking psychopath! And then the newest member is already dead. <clears throat> There's so much going on. The newest. The newest member of the seven is already dead. In like, like even oh, into the first two God. episodes, because now we're four deep. But even in the first two, so much had happened. Like, just, I was like, wait a second, I gotta like go back over this in my mind. 
and like replay yeah. everything because it's things just happen so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're just torturing Starlight. Yeah, they the, are. the 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 newest member was happened to be a childhood friend of hers. Correct, uh, or a friend ex, of hers. Ex, yeah. So, yeah, I, I have a hard time watching the show back to back to back. Like I can't. Like it oh, just, I I friggin' would. I would oh, yeah, I would binge watch the shit out of this. It depresses it me. Out. Like, it's rough. Yeah. So. The, to me, at this point, this show is is oh my god, when the hell is somebody gonna kill Joffrey? Yeah. Well, that's the problem. Like, if you kill him right now, if you kill the bad guy, the big bad. Yep. How are you gonna over. get someone worse? Uh. Well, I mean, I they're setting up either. Um. um uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character or the uh his his uh, adopted daughter. Uh the the head squishy person. Yeah, the head exploding girl. Yeah, because yeah, she's another wrinkle in the whole thing now. Yep. Yeah. And they have to have wrinkles in the thing so it doesn't look erect. That's right. Mine looks erect. I almost wonder whether or not she could make Homelanders explode. Well, I think he's too fast. I think he I think she could try, but he would probably notice and then he would just get to her and kill her before she could You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. seems like it takes a second. It's not instant from what we saw earlier in the season. But maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. There's so many question marks right now, I don't even know where to go with it. Yeah. But last but not least, let's talk some dinosaurs. I have not seen this. I'm gonna duck out for Ten minutes, five minutes. Dinosaurs. Well, I don't get any spoilers. Yeah, there aren't really many. Okay. But... All right. Uh, we're talking Jurassic World Dominion. Came out June tenth. Directed by Colin Trevorrow, starring Chris Pratt as Owen, uh, mm-hmm. Bryce Dallas Howard. I'm just gonna. We don't have to worry about the names right now. Uh, Laura Dern, of course, from the original Jurassic Park series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually do have to name do the names on this one. Uh, Ellie Sattler. Um, Sam Neill as Alan Grant, Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm, uh, DeWanda Wine as Kayla Wise. Kayla Watts. Yep. Uh, Wise. Sorry. That's what happens when I'm when I'm wearing my contacts all day. Uh, Mamadou uh, Athi. <laughs> Mamadou Athi as Ramsey Cole. Uh, Mamadou Athi was actually in that. Uh, Section 81 show that I really liked that got canceled. He was like the guy that was looking at all the videotapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isabella Sermon as Maisie Lockwood. Campbell Scott as Lewis Dodgson. Beatty Wong as Dr. Henry Wu. And uh, I think that's most... Oh, and Dyke and Lockman. Well, we've talked about her recently. Um, as Sayana Santos. Four years after the destruction of Isla Nublar, dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world. This fragile balance will reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are to remain the apex predators on a planet they now share with history's most fearsome creatures in a new era. What do you think? New era. So, I had a little bit of a problem with this movie. A little? It, It, however, was not at all the movie's fault. I went to see this in a theater where, and and so my, my opinion may be somewhat, uh, 
mis uh, skewed. Okay. Because I went to see this in a theater where it looked like the projector bulb was about to die. Oh. So the entire movie was super dark. And while I understand that the movie itself was at night, it was like and the it was Batman version. <laughs> well, no, but but it was like it was dark and not well lit. Like the the screen itself was not very bright. So all of the scenes that were like super dark, where you're where there's supposed to be contrast, and you're supposed to be able to kind of see what's going on. Yeah, like there was action happening, and I couldn't really tell what was happening. That's a shame. Yeah, I was really disappointed. Um, the theater sucked, and I would never go there again. Um, boo, theater, boo. Boo, theater, boo. Um, so, Paragon Theater in uh, Coral Springs, not Coral Springs, um, Tamarack, or wherever the hell it was. Absolute crap. Don't go there. Don't waste your money. Um, but the... Uh, so, I mean, for a special effects driven movie to not be able to see like very clearly the special effects, that's that's kind of a death sentence. I mean, you know, the without that, it's like, yeah, okay. I mean, I'm watching an action uh special effects action movie that I can't really see any of the special effects or the action on, so whatever. Great. <laughs> so on my end, there's a couple things. One, when you review movies. There's the, is it good, or was it fun to watch? And hopefully, it's both good and fun to watch, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think this one was, it was okay. It was fun to watch. I, I always enjoy the, seeing the effects that of the dinosaurs great. and seeing how they get out of problems and the suspense of, you know, a dinosaur walking up behind someone as they're slowly slinking into a swamp, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But... I this pro this movie overall it's also very interesting when you see, we I saw it with a group of people, um, the other three adults that were with me do not review movies, not that we do this for a living but do not mm -hmm. review movies, mm -hmm. so they see a dinosaur on the screen like oh that was awesome, like yeah but, and then you just feel like the asshole that's being pointing out flaws and things like that, um there's a like so while I did oddly enough enjoy the process of watching it I was very aware of how over-the-top certain things were. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, I think the one thing... So there's there are two stories in this. I mean, a lot of little ones, but there's the two big ones, right? There's the... the two uh, uh, What's her name? Uh, Owen and Claire, they're living in the mountains mm -hmm. and protecting the clone of right. the one scientist. Um, in doing so, they also are sort of protecting Blue, the raptor, and whatever other dinosaurs happen to be around from poachers. Right. Which gets the daughter seen... And poached on herself. That's one story. The other story is this thing with these giant locusts. Mm -hmm. That are being created by evil businessman. Mm -hmm. Who is going to do it to basically control the world's food supply. Because he can basically make this food that the locusts don't want to eat. And everyone else will get eaten. So if you don't buy his seed... Yeah. Your crops will be decimated, and you won't. You, yeah, you won't sell. Now, oddly enough, that's actually kind of what. what one, that's a storyline in the show, The Americans. 
um, except it's the opposite where this the Russian spies kill a guy thinking that he's trying to do that, but mm-hmm. he's actually working to try to prevent um, it from happening. Mm-hmm. Like he's not doing it as a weapon, but they don't know that because it's the 80s and communism and blah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Two, that is kind, it's kind of a, a loose uh, allegory to Monsanto, who is also kind of doing that, but not creating superbugs, but they are trying to create seeds that can... And it's it's not evil. We'll just put it that way. Um, but a lot of people think it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that storyline... It seems really tacked on because in no way, shape, or form does that does it a ham-handed, ridiculous storyline like that make me believe that the super rich dude that can afford an entire area in the Alps and has all this like facilities and all this stuff it makes him seem like a moron. It well, it seems like there was a lot that they were trying to shoehorn in there, and I think some of it even got left because there was there was one scene that I was like. Huh, I wonder what they're going to do with that. And ultimately, they did nothing. Which scene? When he, and it seemed like an important moment, and then all of a sudden, you know, nothing ever happened. Where he turns to the assistant and goes, do you have any food? Maybe one of my bars? Yes, I did think that was weird. And and it, it seemed like an important moment, and then there was nothing. And I'm like, okay, so I don't, I don't understand what that interaction was all about. Like, I didn't like him at all. Right. Like, I thought he was. I thought he was over the top. I know he's a decent actor, but I thought he was over the top. He was too much, like you know, Steve Jobs or whatever. Right. Well, it seemed like there was something wrong with him, but they never really elaborated or went into what was actually wrong with him. Yeah. And my feeling is just a, a hunch. So one of the end plot points. Spoiler. Is that they're going to try to make, like, this virus that can jump from the locust to locust and kill all these giant freaking locusts. My feeling is that they were going to try to do it with the dinosaurs, like, whoever wrote the original script. And then that someone either read the script or they filmed something and, like, showed it to people. And they were like, no, that's just too sad having all these dinosaurs die. We like, Everyone likes the dinosaurs. And they're like, okay, we need to shoehorn in some other whole other story so we can kill something else off. Because mm-hmm. all of the stuff is happening with the dinosaurs. And we, when I saw the first trailer, I, there's this whole thing about, like, the next evolution. And I was think all I could think was, yeah, like, it would be bad for an airplane to run to a pterodactyl. But people are not going to have any problem taking down a bunch of dinosaurs if they need them. It's not like they're hiding anywhere. Right. So then they added these locusts, which would be hard to, to take down. And it was just this, like, whole other weird storyline that just seemed like it was attached to what could have been a more interesting storyline. I mean, honestly, I I just need dinosaurs wandering around. Like, I don't yeah. need a plot. Um, so that was, like, my, my my big issue with it. Uh, loved all the new dinosaurs. Loved the one with the big claws. Oh, yeah. The one that they used to help T-Rex? Yeah, the Freddy Krueger-saurus. That was actually an herbivore. That's a real thing. I, I remember when they found that. The Rizinosaurus? Um, is that what it is? Yeah, the... Uh, I wrote them. I, uh, yeah. No, that's... Uh, yeah, the Stygimoloch was the headbutt one. Yeah, the Therinosaurus. Yeah, you got it. The Pyroraptor. They finally got some feathers on dinosaurs, which I liked. Yep. How about that name, Atrociraptor? Yeah. 
think it's badass. Those were the uh, the really kind of smooth-headed raptors that were chasing things around. I yeah, got the, to see the some old ones, friends. The ones, the ones that uh, attacked whatever was laser-targeted. Yep. There was some old friends that got to visit. The uh, the spitter dinosaurs came back. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, got to see the uh, canister, the the Barbasol canister. Oh yeah, yeah, the callback, yeah. But I don't know. There was just something about the. I always find it very weird when some when there's an arch supervillain who is clearly spending far more money than they're going to make by doing their evil plan. Yeah, and this happens in James Bond movies. It happens in this. I mean, well, and he is—he seems like such a poorly fleshed out supervillain because I mean, it's like what what was he doing? I—I I mean, I—I I, just—I just did not. It seemed like there was so much undeveloped plot there, and they just tried to shoehorn crap in to m- make him evil. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they were going with it, but I mean, he was quite. Ob- it seemed like they were trying to make him into the the corporate monster who was trying to um, ruin the food, the world's food supply um, by like releasing a, like a Bond these, villain. Yeah, by releasing these uh, locusts, these uh, Jurassic period locusts or whatever. Um. Yeah, are, just I don't know. So there was that. There was. Uh couple other sequences that were kind of interesting. They tried to burn all of the locusts in the little lab, mm-hmm. and the, they get out. So, of course, we now have a fire raging in the in the forest, which adds some other problems. Um, I also was very intrigued as to why movies seem to, to not understand that if you have a bunch of mountains around something covered in snow, it's not going to be a tropical environment down, down beneath. No. And they do that a lot. They do it, like I mean, from silly animated movies like Ice Age where you're underground and it's a steamy tropical environment. But I get that because it's animated. But this is like pretty much a hard science movie. And it's like they're in the Alps and it's everything steamy and hot and temp- and uh, tropical. No. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm. But not all of it, because there was that scene where they crash landed on the frozen lake. Oh, but yeah. I guess they took the elevator down into the valley, so that's a that's a thing. All right, so that was up in the mountains. Yeah, and the uh, the feathered raptor can also swim, apparently, which looked yeah. cool. So I'm okay with it. Well, and how many dinosaurs did they have just kind of wandering through snow? I'm like, no, d- that yeah, that's what killed them. Dinosaurs are cold blooded. Snow does not work for them. Yeah, it, so it's like uh, we're, we've made a uh, a preserve for the dinosaurs. It's going to be up in the Alps, and they're going to last there for all of three weeks. <laughs> You're going to have dinosaur sickles. Although, I mean, the the they're not lizards, so I, I don't know if they actually are cold blooded. They're whatever birds are, theoretically. I believe they evolved down into birds. I don't know. I, it's I don't know the most recent science as if the if they're cold blooded. Oh, so or dinosaurs weren't reptiles. No. Well, I, the current science is that dinosaurs evolved into birds, which is why they have the feathered ones. Not all of them, of course. There's not like little Tyrannosaurus birds. But I don't know. I have, I have to see. If only we had knew some people in a podcast that did dinosaur stuff. <laughs> We're looking um, at you, I know, Dino. 
Yes. They actually had uh, most recent. I, I listened to it. They actually had a one of the people that was like worked on the dinosaur physiology for this for the movie. Like did the the rigging and character animation for the dinosaurs. Oh really? Yeah. On the most recent episode, it's, it was good. Um, it was good seeing the people from the original movie back, but I think all of the other garbage kind of took away from it. Yeah. It was you didn't get that hero moment. I thought kind of sucked. Yeah. Uh, there was a reference to the fly in this. Did you catch that? No, I missed it. Uh, Jeff Goldblum uh, buttoning up his shirt because in there's a scene in the fly where he's like sitting there with the shirt unbuttoned, looking like sexy, and it's turned into a meme. So they they had him look down at his shirt, the top button on his shirt unbuttoned, and he buttons it up. Oh, I well, I did see that, but I thought it was because he had opened it and the um, uh, what's her name? Uh, DeWanda Wise's character, uh, Kayla. I thought Kayla had looked at him and kind of shook her head, and he just it's down it, and but it's it it's a reference to the fly. Okay, or the meme from the fly. I liked her a lot. I did too. Way. She was she was very good. Um, the first thing I noticed, like the like she's doing something, and the light caught her eyes, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, her eyes are cool as shit. They're like silver brown. Mm-hmm. And then like as the thing went on, as the show went on, I was like. Oh, she's cool. Like she's a good character. I would like to see her in other stuff. Yeah. Um so and the other uh, the other characters we've seen her in other stuff as well. Um Dan- Daniela Pineda, um she was the other doctor, the mm-hmm. the younger female doctor. She was just most recently in Oh shoot. Uh the live action show that was based on the uh anime with the little red ship and I think we watched it. Cowboy Bebop? Yes, yes. She okay. was the girl in Cowboy Bebop. Okay. Um, and I liked her as well. I, the, it's not the characters. It was just there, there's something. They just they tried to go too weird with the plot. Yeah, it, and I mean, ultimately, I yeah, it was fun. There was giant dinosaurs, and there was people running and screaming and getting eaten, but I don't. I don't even think it was as good as the as the other two Jurassic World movies. Correct. I think you're right. And I don't know what else they could do, to be honest. Like they can't go back to islands. Like I mean, I know the ser- the trick the trilogy is over, but like I don't know what story they could have told. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they need to change the time. To be honest, if if I was to be in charge of continuing this i think they should have done gone with the virus to try to like kill off the dinosaurs but and i know you can't really do viruses these days but and have it (laughs) jump to humans and kill off a large portion of the humans and go to a apocalyptic future which is way over the top sci-fi but an apocalyptic future with people really being in trouble from the dinosaurs because there's less of them and more dinosaurs Right. I think that's and, really the only way they the, can go. The technology infrastructure being collapsed. Yeah, because I think that's really the only way you can go. Because, um, and it could be interesting. And you could, of course, get in like you know the dinosaur rider group and the people that are dinosaur hunters. You know, basically a zombie movie with dinosaurs. Right. And I would watch the shit out of that. I would too. Well, we could have done our top five favorite dinosaurs. We could have done Brontosaurus. Top five cosmic superheroes or something like that, but this is my list. (laughs) Sorry, and 
I have decided to go a completely different direction because I want to obliterate your guys' search engine history. <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to ruin Google for you. I want your algorithms to every time you you like go on to Instagram to be nothing but like penis pumps. Well, for mine, you barely need to put a dent, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's a much more tame search than normal. <laughs> but fine, whatever. There's not a single nun or butt plug in this search. <laughs> not for lack of trying. Yeah. <clears throat> so what we are doing, because of the crazy scene in which the termite, in the boys, of course, uh, blows up his lover. Ah, via, I see what you did there. Yep. Via enlarging within inside of his uh, penis. I wanted to know the top five most shocking. Uh, I'm going to I said genitalia scenes, but I think we've all kind of focused on penises. Uh, but I was going to do male genitalia uh, scenes that were in movies and streaming shows. Streaming penises. So the top five. And uh, this question was released today, and all of us, including Alec, came up with a list right away. Oh, my God. His is already better than ours. Yeah, it Ugh. is. And he also uh, he was also angry about his search engine results, but he did say uh, <laughs> yeah. safe, safe search to the rescue. Uh, nice. Not safe search, but um, uh, hidden search, whatever it is, to the rescue. So um, we've got that. So should we start with him? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yes. Hey, Give Me Five Podcast. It's Alec. Uh, what an interesting topic this week. Definitely not great for the browser history, but <laughs> here it is. Uh, honorable mention goes to Harvey Keitel, who uh, appeared in both Bad Lieutenant and uh, The Piano in the span of a year, and he had nude, uh, full frontal nude scenes in both. I just don't think that's an actor you'd expect. Somehow he didn't make the top five, though. Uh, number five, Any Given Sunday, the locker room scene. Well, that's, I'm guessing how a locker room would look in the NFL. Uh, number four, I have uh, Wild Things, uh, Kevin Bacon, I don't even know if that was him or not, but that was uh, as far as the, what he showed. But that is definitely a memorable scene. Uh, number three that is the prosthetic uh, penis there by Mark Wahlberg in Boogie Nights. Number two is Oz, um, the TV show oh on God. HBO. I, I don't even have a specific mention. It just seemed like every episode some actor, usually a very respected actor or somebody who was going to end up being very respected, would, would be showing something. And then number one uh, is The Crying Game, which I don't know mm -hmm. if any movie can really top the shock of uh, of what happens in that movie. Um, and obviously Ace Ventura uh, made a pretty funny scene about it as well. But that would be my list. Um, I almost put out there something about Mary on there, but I honestly can't remember if they show anything or they just imply. Um, but that would also kind of go there. So there's my list. Hope you like it. Thanks. Bye. As usual, nicely done. And they do in something about Mary. They do show. They do. Yeah. They show it through the zipper. Yep. <clears throat> Which is worse. It's so much worse. <laughs> How'd you get the beans above the frank? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that is why I was wondering if it was just male genitalia versus full on just you know, just penis. So um that is why I guess I will go next. My honorable mention was something about Mary because mm -hmm. of the uh the what appeared to be a scrotum stuck in a zipper. God. Between that and watching everything everywhere with the paper cut sequence, um, I'm like uh, in pain mm. all over. Um, I'm going to go with a movie that 
Rob actually put as one of his most disappointing sequels, maybe not too long ago. I forget exactly what the what it, top five was, but um, that would be uh, the mini penis in Hangover Two. Mm-hmm. Would be you know, in number five because they hinted at it a lot, and then you saw it and you're like, "Whoa!" What is it? <laughs> I never I saw it. It was so two. cute. <laughs> Want to keep it as a pet? Oh Jesus! That's so Put bad. it in like a little like... locket and wear it around my neck. Oh my god! Wow. Uh, Ken Davidian, Davidian, whatever, Ken, Ken, whatever, and Sasha Baron Cohen in the first Borat movie. Oh, nicely done. There's so much penis. What's weird is that Ken guy, the big, his manager, whatever, yeah. the very first celebrity I met upon going to Hollywood to visit uh, Rob, actually out there, and I was in the, the courtyard near the, uh, like a couple doors down from the Kodak Theater. There's like that courtyard that has like a smoothie place, and I mm-hmm. sat down to drink a smoothie, and I looked over, and there he was. And all I could think of is I've seen a lot of this guy. <laughs> More than wow. you ever wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Boogie Nights is my number three. It was also Alex's number three. So we're good there. Um, another big one. I don't know if it, how shocking it was, but I think it is shocking in the when for when the movie came out and also who the character is kind of sort of supposed to be. But that would be Graham Chapman in The Meaning of Life. Flinging open the window and oh, okay. and uh, revealing his uh, schlong to oh, all of the bang. people that think he's the second coming. And uh, number one, it, I had crying game around there too, but I don't know. Just that was everyone talked about it, but um, I'm gonna go with the boys' termite thing. I was shocked. I had to replay the scene twice because I was like, "Did that just happen?" So it ruined me. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who's next? Um oh let me jump in. Alright. Let me let me go for it. Yeah. My my honorable mention is mine is a little bit of course as usual I'm cheating, but I do have an honor, honorable mention, and that's um the Buffalo Bill scene in Silence of the Lambs, even though it's kind of tucked away. It was still just a shocking scene. And it was very well done. Like it was a crazy scene. You know what I mean? Uh, That's, yeah. <clears throat> forgot about that one too. Um, Would you fuck me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. My number five, and I had to throw this in because it's just so funny because it's such such a funny movie. The scene in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> when they're, It's kind of early on in the movie and he's in a, he's already famous and he's in a hotel room. And the camera is kind of like slowly panning away and he's talking to his wife, but there's just naked women in his bed. <laughs> this dude walks up and, and he's sitting on the floor with his back to the bed and a dude walks up and all you see is his lower half and it's just penis hanging there. And he's like, hey, Dewey, do you have a, you know, whatever? <laughs> I forgot what he asked for. And it was just completely natural, but it was so funny. And it happens like a few times in the, in the show, in the movie. And it's just, it's so well done. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Number four, um, my number four scene is from the boys when they're inside the penis and then he sneezes and it explodes. Uh, my number three scene, and this is where my cheating comes in, is also from the boys when she's killing all those that those people with dildos <laughs> in Russia, and it's like all but the dildos are all superhero dildos. And we didn't even talk about that, but that was hilarious. And then later on, that same one uh, appears 
with remember it was a strap on, but it was like a yeah, Homelander strap on. Uh, so that was funny. Um, number two, and I you don't really see it, but it's goes with the theme. Let's say Game of Thrones when um oh my god I forgot the character's name because it's been a while when he gets his penis cut off by uh, well Reek by is Reek. who he becomes he becomes Reek exactly right of the, oh jeez yes I I, share. I can't remember the 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 name of the character other now that you say Reek exactly but that scene was like really heavy and my number one Theon Greyjoy Theon Greyjoy thank you and my number one is the scene the also the dildo scene from everything everywhere all at once just because of that slow-mo shot of the one guy who like jumps through the air and he's like coming <laughs> with his pants off right on top of the dildo but in slow motion and his face is just like ah like totally that actor whoever did that was like amazing committed so committed to that part it was the funniest fucking thing it was so bonkers that it was like the most. Who thought that 2022 would be bring so many like dildo fights? Like I did not see that coming. But um, <laughs> 2022, the year of the dildo. That's fight. unbelievable. It was like so funny. So um, yeah, that's my uh, a little bit of a cheater's top five. All right. Well, then I guess that leaves me. Indeed. I did have uh, two honorable mentions, uh, largely because they didn't actually show the genitalia but that's uh there's something about mary where you know you see the uh the franks and beans or the the beans above the frank um franks and beans franks and beans <laughs> um I was thinking that too. and and hollow man with uh kevin bacon you don't actually see it but you see the infrared version of it interesting that's right and it's it's uh it's not tiny <clears throat> it swings a lot. Um, but my number five is going to be the shower scene. Again, Kevin Bacon, the shower scene when he gets out. It's very brief, but it's there uh, from Wild Things. At number four, um, it's not real. It's CG. However, they beat you over the face with it for the entire movie, and that's Dr. Manhattan from The Watchmen. Oh, that's right. And the scene where he grows really big and then just kind of like steps over you and the camera looks up and the and his dick is just swinging in your face. It's like, oh my God, I feel like it's going to hit me. Um, that's number four. Number three, I'm going to do Boogie Nights. Number two, I also went Hangover. However, I went the, surpri- the surprise scene where he jumps naked out of the trunk in the first Hangover movie. And sticks his dick in the guy's face because he like jumps on his shoulders. Mm. So hangover, there it is. Hangover is number two, <laughs> but number one has to be the one that everybody talked about at one point or another. It's become a pop culture reference, and that's the Crying Game. Yep. I was trying to get that sound effect the entire time that you guys were talking. That's why I was being uh, abnormally quiet. Fair enough. But I think I did find the perfect boing sound effect. So. That is my top five. Excellent work. Nice. I'd like to thank our phallic expert for joining us this evening. Anytime. Uh, <laughs> you want to give him our contact info? 
I can't. Because <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Guys, I'm, I'm doing you can things. go to our website, GiveMeFivePodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at GiveMeFivePod, or you can email us directly and let us know what your favorite penises in movies and TV are. That's GiveMeFivePodcast at gmail.com, and that is always spelled out F-I-V-E, not the number five. And please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. It helps us stand out, and it helps other people find us and our penis list. I can imagine how people would explain this episode. Hey, you guys have got to listen to this podcast. They talk about penises for a long time at the end. For a really, really long time. It's an episode for the ladies. Uncomfortably long time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Come on. I mean, it'd be it'd be offensive if we did if we talked about we did like a bathing suit episode at one point, bikini episode. So we need a little something for the ladies. Right. And there you go. Also, it does happen to be Pride Month, so we're we're expanding a little. Oh, there you go. So. No, I see what you did there. Expanding a little. Ah, ah, you yes. you stop it, you. You bad monkey. <laughs> I am a naughty monkey. <laughs> and I'm a naughty monkey. This is thank you for listening. And remember, guys, like I always say, screw you, Rothfuss. I'm Greg, and um, I'm about to be joined on the mic by someone who is – oh, man, I fucked it up. God damn it. <laughs> I have my microphone in the wrong spot. Oh. Let's try that again. Um, 